2: Welcome to Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and we are broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at 261 Moore Street, where brunch is now being served. Um... My guest today is Mark Dunley. He is the Executive Director of the Hunger Action Network of New York State, for which he has worked for 26 years. And for the last 11 years, he has helped coordinate the Faith and Hunger Network with Bread for the World. He is a co-convener of the New York City Food and Farm Bill Group, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining me in the studio. Well, thank you, Katie, for having us on. (laughs) You <laughs> um, so, Mark? You guys have been working on something called the Food and Farm Bill. Why NYC cares, which has distilled five essential elements that you feel must be addressed in the coming uh, new Farm Bill for 2012. And one of the principles stated. Um, one of the principles stated is this. Restoring competition, promoting fairness, encouraging decentralization, and developing scale-appropriate programs will contribute to the future vitality of small and mid-scale regional, rural, and and urban farm and food enterprises. So why don't we start off by just talking about how consolidation in the food industry has affected competition, fair wages, consumer prices, and some of the other elements that you address in your work at the um, Hunger Action Network.
1: Well, a lot of the competition issue is about trying to really help small and medium-sized farmers. Um, they really have lost their independence over the years and have become contract farmers or even serfs in many ways for a few large um, producers, processors, uh, from, from Walmart to um, Purdue Chicken. And you know they're required to enter into these contracts that last for often seven years And virtually everything about their operation is dictated by their contracts, including how much square feet they give to each chicken, or whether they cut off the chicken's beak, or whether they put antibiotics on it. And it dramatically decreases the quality of the food that we're eating, but it also really decreases the. Uh, income that farmers can can receive, and, and, and farmers are sort of over the barrel and don't have much choices about where they do. It may not necessarily negatively impact upon the price of the food we, we see at the uh, supermarket shelf, but it really makes it very difficult for the small uh, family medium-sized farmers to to exist, and it also dramatically decreases the quality of the food that we eat. That we end up with a, a food system that is a wash and overly processed food with high sodium fat, um, you know, content that leads to a lot of health problems.
2: That that is definitely true. But <clears throat> let me ask you though, you know, th- th- those. Contracts have allowed food prices to go, as you say. They, it hasn't really had a negative impact on the consumer. On the contrary, it's it's the reason we have such cheap food here. So how would we balance? <clears throat> how would we balance um, restoring integrity to the medium-sized farmer in terms of income? while at the same time balancing those that income increase for them with the needs of people who are possibly low income and who aren't able to pay for the real genuine costs of raising chickens or whatever it is that we're talking about. Well, one of the things
1: is to try to change sort of the financial incentives or subsidies that we provide in the Farm Bill to actually reflect the type of foods that we want people to eat. And so we... We promote things like corn, which it gets torn into to corn syrup um, and, and sugar, and things like soy, it gets turned into into fat, rather than providing the incentives to uh, fresh fruits and, and, and vegetables. And a number of years ago, the Hunger Action Network was one of the few anti-hunger groups, and in fact, one of the few consumer groups that came out in support of the Dairy Price Compact to try to give more Of the um, price of milk to the farmers actually producing the milk. And a lot of people ask us that question well, how can you support this when it might increase the price of, uh, say, a carton of milk for the school lunch program by two, three, or four cents? And we said, If farmers don't exist in America, especially the the backbone of the family farms, um, then food prices are going to be through the roof. And that we need to create a sustainable food system that provides both an adequate wage and an adequate income to the family farmers and the farm workers, while also providing us... You know, healthy food at a reasonable price. So, in a lot of the debate about the farm bill, it's not about driving down the prices of food. You know, I don't think anybody on the consumer side would object to it. It's about creating a food system where healthy food is more affordable, and so that you don't pay you know three, four dollars you know for you know one big pepper uh, when you can go to the you know fast food chicken place and you know get a chicken dinner for four dollars and you know and the result is in many low-income communities is much more affordable and time uh, effective to spend your time buying processed food from fast food places that's not healthy for you rather than buying you know the fresh produce and the fresh vegetables which we all know is really what should be more part of our diet
2: yeah of course um another one of the principles that you um bring up in your five principles of the (coughs) excuse me of the Food and Farm Bill, why New York City Cares. We must look to innovative methods to strengthen our regional food systems as a means to regain economic vitality. We must provide entrepreneurial opportunities, foster business growth and job creation in rural and urban production, processing and distribution. Farm and food strategies must support beginning and disadvantaged urb- urban and rural farmers as well as established farmers facing the challenges of feeding America. So wh- nobody, I, I mean, nobody listening to this program certainly would disagree with that. So the real question is, is wh- you know, what are those methods going to be and, and how are you going to find the funds to make that happen? I mean, we were talking earlier in the show about why, you know, where's the venture capital here um, and not just to, to you know, create micro businesses, but to create. You know, production facilities or warehouses or distribution hubs or trucking companies. I mean, that's where there's real capital investment. Where is that money? And why isn't that sort of the, mm, you know, like the primary focus or goal of, you know, what you're hoping to achieve here? In the Farm oh, the, Bill. This
1: like, may indicate that your listenership at this point does not include the chairs of the House and Senate Agriculture Committee <laughs> or the, the lobbyists for, for agribusiness. Um, so, yes, you know, the average person is very much in favor of this, but the people who actually made the decisions are influenced by the enormous campaign contribution that, that they receive. And, and and reality is, actually, there's 70 percent of the Farm Bill funding actually goes towards the food stamp program. Understood. And so one would think that, for instance, in the uh, Flatbush, East New York um, neighborhood... Um, which has the sixth highest rate of hunger in the country that that would be you know our congressmen would be jumping up and down about the farm bill but part of the problem is that the people who make the decisions and pay attention to the farm bill in Congress often are the people who um, represent those who get the agricultural subsidies, and so there's sort of that um, you know disconnect in the, you know in the farm bill you know there are funding mechanisms for this and we were talking earlier and it's partly about you know is the glass half full or half empty and we can point to a lot of good things that have occurred in the Farm Bill recently that provided C funding for some of these type of innovative approaches for, you know, food hubs and regional food systems and community-based food processing and innovative projects, and all excellent. Um, but the, the reality is that we probably have about a 20th, I'm sorry, probably about one 200th of the money that we really need. I mean, for instance, I was just reading this morning that for the Healthy um, Food Financing Initiative, which supports a lot of these type of innovations. You know, right now, I think in Congress, they're talking about $35 million. Now, as a seed fund for a nonprofit RF request for a proposal for a foundation... Boy, twenty-five, thirty-five million dollars is a lot of money. But when you're spending thirty billion dollars alone in New York City on our food, um, you know, twenty-five million dollars is not, you know, sort of a game changer. Now, Senator Gillibrand has put in um, a bill. I'm not sure over the the period of time this funding comes in, but she's looking for about a billion dollars, uh, probably over a five year period, to try to deal with the problem of food deserts, where we don't have access to fresh food and produce in a lot of low-income neighborhoods, say, in in New York City. So I think, you know, everybody's sort of committed to the idea uh, on on paper, but they're not changing the money to move in that direction and i've been doing this food policy issue for about 25 years 25 years ago we all talked about we need to deal with the problem of medium and small scale food processing we need to deal with distribution we need to deal with transportation for for farmers everybody agrees no one disagrees and yet 25 years later we're still talking about it and so yes maybe we've gotten 15 20 30 million dollars on the table which is helpful but it you know it's it's not comparable to the scale That we really need to change the overall food system Yeah,
2: clearly not So why, um, why? first of all, why aren't the legislators In New York State, because we are an ag state after all <clears throat> Why aren't they Haven't they been more successful in lobbying for funds Like that in the past 25 years What is going on mm-hmm. And um, Jack is Going out to do battle um, And why, uh, why, as we Were talking before, why don't um, You know, c- venture capital companies See more of you know an opportunity here in funding those kinds of endeavors because i do think that that it would su- probably be quite successful financially um, because I think there is enough interest in New York State and particularly in New York City to bring those those small scale farming uh, products into the city and certainly into institutions like you know school lunch program and stuff like that.
1: Well, I think you might want to get some venture capitalists on your show and ask them. I, you think know, I do. Th- th- that that question and you know and I think uh, some people would argue. In fact, there has been significant progress in trying to do that, uh, but also I think food industry in general, in particular has always been an industry with a very small um, profit margin. You're talking about 1%, 2% of of, of the operating cost. So I think it's sometimes difficult for people to sort of conceive, uh, you you know, about money in the food system. And one of the things we always argue with uh, economic development planners is they generally ignore food as part of economic development. But if one looks at almost any community – and you look at how much money is actually being spent on food in that community, it's often the single largest part of the economy because guess what? Everybody has to eat, usually three times a day. Typically, yeah. Whether it's (laughs) low income or rich, and that really drives an enormous amount of money into the food system, and, and and too often it seems like the innovation comes in, you know, the new restaurant that pops up, which didn't have a very, you know, unfortunately short period of life, uh, and, and lessen the infrastructure. And some is a chicken and egg problem. One of the things we've been working on, you know, who is the second largest purchaser of food in the United States, and 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 institutionally outside the military and that is the new york city government And and new york city government serves a million meals per day and you know when i asked the mayor's office about this they said listen don't argue with me about the need to um buy local we totally agree with that you have to solve the logistical problems of providing the food we need on a timely basis. And we say, well, it's a chicken and egg problem. If you would put out that you're going to buy X percent of your food locally, then the various people that need to create that infrastructure could go out and borrow against those contracts and get the investment needed to meet. But, you know, without that, you're not going to have the food processing system in place. You can take the produce that may come ripe in... October and make sure that it's still available to the schools in February.
2: Right. <clears throat> well, that's what I say is that they're just you know they're not um, nobody's willing to make the commitment to it, and that's what I find so peculiar. And that's what I think you know people really need to let their legislation know or legislators know that this is this is a, a you know something that they want to invest in with their tax money. Right. And you well, know, make well, that more of a you know more of an issue.
1: Like one of the issues we've been fighting over is how much subsidies to provide to people to buy. Fruits and vegetables. Right. And, and he, he, we you mean SNAP benefits? Well, well, SNAP they but, but to me it would be beyond it. But it's a larger political philosophical discussion, but like health bucks in New York City, if you go right. to the farmer's market, $5, you get a $2 you know, health bucks coupon. And so in the compromise that they initially had come to, they came out with $100 million, $20 million a year for these type of incentives, which in many ways would be a big victory. And then one of our colleagues, Joel Berg from the New York City Coalition Against Hunger, said, well, I, I said, wait, $20 million. Doesn't really sound enough to me. What number should we push for? And he said five billion dollars. And then my initial reaction was, Joel, that's not helpful. You know that that that's that's too far out of the, yeah. the, the, the. But then I began to think about Well, wait a moment. You know that really ends up being about a billion dollars a year. We're spending seventy billion dollars a year a year now in the food stamp program. So you're actually talking about dedicating 1.5 percent of the food stamp budget to purchasing healthy foods that doesn't actually seem too unrealistic i think we need to change the scope of the conversation and i think many of us are very disturbed that we thought in this farm bill that the people who that the issue of health and food and their relationship with obesity and hypertension would become a more focal point of the discussion and that's not occurred so far
2: It doesn't seem to. No, I don't notice that. I mean, not that I've been reading it, you know, cover to cover. But um, I have to say, I haven't seen anything really that that addresses that in any meaningful way. Um, There's a sort of like a, you know, a a tip of the hat to it, basically. And then it's back to business as usual with, you know, whether or not we're going to subsidize corn this year. And you know, that kind of stuff I don't see or oil seeds or whatever the big, you know, big money jobs are. Um, How, how? Oh, let me see if I'm First of all, do we need to take a Jack? I believe it's time for a sponsor drop. Let us now just take one brief moment to um, thank our wonderful sponsors who subsidize this radio station. We'll be right back with Mark Dunley. S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Summertime is not the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards and Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, pit-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. Entertaining has never been so easy. To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. We're back. This is Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. My name is Katie Kiefer and my guest today is Mark Dunley. He is the Executive Director of the Hunger Action Network for New York State. And we have been discussing the New York City Food and Farm Bill group and um, the the principles that they've come up with that they feel are essential to the new farm bill, which is currently being debated in Congress. Um, Just to go back, I want to talk a little bit more about SNAP, but I want to go back for one second and talk about the subsidies that go into the farm bill. Now, most, as you mentioned before, about 70 percent of the farm bill goes into SNAP or food assistance programs Um, but twelve percent or six billion of those dollars is spent on commodities and crop subsidies so what and, and when I did some research about this, and I was mentioning this earlier, um, out of the representatives that I looked at, 365, you know, district representatives, um, in a sample of 50, 41 of those uh, party aff- affiliations were Republican, with only nine being Democrats, and two of them being self-described Blue Dog or very conservative Democrats. And and so when I when I looked at that statistic and and um, you know thought about what that means in terms of these guys voting on farm bill and crop subsidies and and, and changing allocations, because of course there's not going to be voting any more money into the farm bill, they're just really basically going to have to move money around. And so... What chance does, um, you know, a group like yours have in getting this kind of, you know, these principles about developing, you know, infrastructure or developing small businesses or supporting small and mid-sized farms? What chance does that have of actually passing, um, you know, muster with these Republicans who clearly have, you know, their own uh, interests at heart? As you, you know, pointed out before, they're they're into the, you know, they get their, their campaign finances from these big food companies and, and, you know, they go off to the races with that.
1: Well, we could spend the whole show answering that question. <laughs> Um, So I'll try to hit a couple of key points. Um, One is that most farmers in America get... Actually, nothing out of the farm bill, and I think for the bottom eighty percent, the average payment uh, is about uh, about six hundred dollars a year. So part of the fight is agribusiness versus family farms and stuff like that. It's and right. every politician tells us they support family farms, but as long as they're fifteen thousand acres. <laughs> well, the the problem is the campaign <laughs> contributions <growing> <laughs> come from you know the agribusiness, um, crop subsidies, the commodity subsidies are probably dead actually. And that is because commodity prices have hit record highs yeah. and they can't be politically defended. And we won't even get into the issue of how our subsidies of commodities has dramatically increased food prices worldwide and is, a, for instance, a major cause of the revolution in Egypt and was a cause of the uh, world food price riots we saw a couple of years ago. Right. But So the debate is moreover now um, crop insurance. Um, there was a lot of political support to do the type of investments that that we want but the bottom line is the money and you got to get the politicians to pay attention senator schumer in new york state for instance on the chair of the senate finance committee we need somebody like him to really step up to the plate and, and weigh in. Senator Gillibrand's been quite good on most of these issues. Um, may actually be doing an anti-competition um, proposal within the farm bill, and a lot of other good proposals in the farm bill. But she's a junior senator, and they don't seem to pay, unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of attention to her. Um, and we're not opposed to subsidies per se, we would like the subsidies better directed to the, the people who need them. And then also trying to, you know, w- one thing about the Farm Bill is actually the largest source of funding for conservation, environmental conservation, in in Congress. Uh, and that is the most under-attack in the Farm Bill. Basically, you don't want your farmers to be putting pesticides and runoffs that get into our water system. And the floods that we saw in uh, the Mississippi River... Um, resulted in the creation of a nine thousand uh, square mile dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico when all the fertilizer and the animal waste and the pesticides, you know, ran off. We always have a dead zone, largest, you know, in history. So that is a big fight, and you you are trying to get Mayor Bloomberg, for instance, does get the part about the. Conservation, and that it is something that urban legislators should pay attention to. Um, and I think there is more support, some people like Mayor Bloomberg, around the issue that incentives should go more towards, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. Who, one of the biggest opponents to subsidies for fresh fruits and vegetables, surprisingly, is the trade association for the fresh fruit and vegetable growers, because they think that will actually lower prices and decrease the overall profit margin. And so that's why we talk about incentives rather than subsidies and mm-hmm. those incentives going towards uh, the consumer. But as I said earlier, you know, big victory, they're talking about maybe giving us $20 million a year when we should be talking about $200 million or, or, or or $2 billion. $2 dollars billion.
2: Going, right, right. right. Well, to go back to the SNAP, uh, to the you know su- Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, <clears throat> otherwise known as food stamps. I don't know why they ever changed it, but anyway, SNAP makes up sixty-eight percent of the Farm Bill entitlements, or costs near, uh, nearly seventy-two billion dollars of taxpayer money. Right. Okay. So, on I read uh, a website called Appetite for Profit, which is run by a public health attorney named Michelle Simon. Have you ever checked into that? It's really interesting. I have not. She's excellent. Um, In her most recent post, she said, In December, Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, introduced the FRESH Act, Fresh Regional Eating for Schools and Health, which, in addition to other provisions, aims to, quote, increase accountability in the SNAP program by requiring corporations receiving more than $1 million a year to, quote, provide taxpayers with an itemized receipt for their share of the SNAP program. So what basically what that is saying is that Right now, SNAP recipients can use those dollars on pretty much anything in the grocery store including, you know, soda, juice, snack foods instead of keeping it, you know, to the to the sides of the of the uh, of the store as they say, you know, the, the, the um the fruits and vegetables, the meats, the dairy. So, how would you respond to that idea of forcing these corporations to be accountable, first of all? And secondly, do you think it's fair to limit the use of SNAP benefits to dictate to people what they should or should not buy?
1: Another question we could use the entire show on. Um,
2: I think that's a really interesting conundrum. Well, in general,
1: um, the problem isn't what people buy with food stamps. The problem is what the American people buy overall. And the food choices made by um, people on food stamps, low-income people, are pretty much the same, sometimes better, sometimes worse than what the average American consumes. The problem is that the average American consumes horribly in terms of their food dollars. And so there's two Well, there's many different issues, but one would be really trying to do a lot more nutrition education to all of us about how to spend food more wisely. And then second, you know, change in our subsidies so we're not subsidizing the fat and the sugar and the salt in our food system, but in fact are subsidizing healthy food choices. That's the big question. And and, and I I look before – Um, I came on when I saw your question that the New York City Food and Farm Bill Group have about 10 different bills that they're supporting at the federal level. That was not one of them. And I I, I didn't ask them why not. But my assumption is that's not seen as really sort of changing the thing. My organization does not support um, dictating what people spend their food food dollars on. Some health care advocates do. We, for instance, were one of the food anti-hunger groups that supported the soda tax. And that was something that Senator uh, Patterson, I'm sorry, Governor Patterson, should have been Senator, that Governor Patterson proposed. And I didn't know how bad soda was until, in fact, he proposed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, we in fact, we continue to support that, even though that would drive up the price of soda and low-income people buy soda. Um, but what we would have done differently than what he did was we would have directed that the revenues raised from the soda tax actually then go into – Um, nutritional programs, anti-obesity programs, farm development programs, anti-hunger programs, not just use it as a a revenue scheme, which is why most people actually oppose it. Oh, just another way to raise money out of us. But if you're actually trying to change people's uh, behavior and then use the funds raised from that to create the type of food system you want, that is what we're more, you know, supportive of. Do I go to uh, bed at night worrying about, uh... This idea that we should ban, you know, soda from um, food stamps, no. You know, to me it's not the most critical issue one way or the other. I do go to bed worried about how do we get it so we're not buying the soda and the processed foods on a daily basis.
2: Well, I mean, part of the reason that low-income communities tend to, um, you know, have such a concentration on those products is because they don't have a full-scale grocery store in their area. Isn't that true? So. So if you did something like the soda tax, then why wouldn't that, for instance, be a program that could be sponsored was where you get some, you know, I don't know, D'Agostino's or some guy like that to, you know, go in there and, and build a, a shopping center in, or shopping, you know, grocery store in, a, in an income area that doesn't have a lot of service in that regard. I mean, yes. that be what, And why isn't that more of a focus overall, actually?
1: Well, that is what the, I mentioned earlier, that Senator Gillibrand does have a bill that would mm-hmm. do that, and she wants about a billion dollars for it. We do have the fresh initiative here in um, New York City that does do that. New York New York City seems to have a different sort of problem than other parts of the state does. And so I've actually criticized the people in the governor's office who put the program together, along with the mayor, that, like the program for New York City, not going to work in the rest of the state. What they've identified in New York City with one of the problems being for access for supermarkets and low-income neighborhoods is both the cost of the land and, and parking problems. And so they try to uh, help subsidize the cost of land. Who well, has a car? Well, but they often are mandated by zoning laws to create a certain number of parking places in order to to get in. So you try to reduce that. And also when you create these um, developments that one of the requirements, if you're going to build a development that you have to provide space for you know a supermarket at a subsidized um you know type of price um but that's not the issue in upstate new york they'll boo those the neighborhood for you if you want to go put a low income you know <laughs> uh, supermarket yeah. uh you know in there one is trying to edgy as i said everybody has to buy food and so the reality is there is markets and low income um you know neighborhoods that purchase it trying you know perhaps to restrict the number of as some cities have been doing, like right now, I think Los Angeles may be doing this, trying to restrict the number of fast food places that can, can be put in, but also changing the overall farm, farm bill. So, in fact, we're not really subsidizing the fast food places, but we're subsidizing um, the, the fresh foods and vegetables. So there is a lot of support for that. And in fact, there are a number of good initiatives in the Farm Bill to deal with that, and I believe we had on one of the congresswomen from Maine mm-hmm. who has the local food farm and, and jobs bill that does a lot of those good things. It's just that we're, we're, we're trying to change the edges of the of the system rather than changing the whole system itself.
2: Yeah, and that's, I mean, I feel like, the, you know, all of these sort of edge edgy little, you know, things are, are really not attacking the central problems. I mean, one of them also being just... <clears throat> Actually, there's two, but one of them being the fact that growing, growing, you know, what we call row crops or basically the foods that we eat on a daily basis is not as lucrative as growing, uh, you know, corn or soy or rice or one of the other things that are traded on the commodities market. That's one thing. The other thing is, and this is here's here's my here's my final question for you, Mark, before we wrap up. Why don't we have or shouldn't we bring back home economics or some way for kids to understand the relationship between what they're eating, their bodies, and how it affects the economy?
1: Yes, and we should put more money in the farm bill both for that and for nutrition education in general and uh, food education classes and stuff. We need to teach people how to eat. Properly, in and religion. how to cook
2: food. I mean, right. I think it's a it's a lost it's a lost skill because it you know, so few people now, especially low income where they don't have access. They are relying almost exclusively on prepared foods. And those traditions are going away. So, <clears throat> you know, that's sort of my pet peeve. And I, I almost I ask almost everybody who comes through the studio don't you think that we need to bring cooking back into the school system? I think shop would be a great thing to bring back into the school system, too. But right now, I think cooking is really paramount. So, Mark, why don't you give people a little information about your website uh, and tell them how they can get involved. And um, thank you very much.
1: Well, we have a wiki page, which I'm now desperately trying to find. (laughs) Um, Foodbillnyc.wikispaces.com if you want to find out more about the Farm Bill. We usually meet... Uh, Once a month over at the Just Food office, and there's a whole bunch of committees on community engagement and rural and urban alliances and policy people can get involved with, or they can contact the Hunger Action Network, um, www.hungeractionny.org. or call us 212-741-8192 or just go call your congressperson and say what are you doing about the farm bill and you know why aren't you doing more to promote healthy foods and family farms and strong environmental measures and you know stop giving all the money to agribusiness thank you mark
2: That's a lovely sentiment. Thank you. Um, Mark Dunley, my guest, uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Next week, folks, next week will be ag gag, agricultural gag laws, which are rearing their ugly heads all over the United States. I think Iowa just uh, engaged with one. My guest will be Amanda Hitt from the Government Accountability Project, the nation's leading whistleblower protection and advocacy organization. So that should be a very interesting show. Please uh, stay tuned for that. And um, thanks to my sponsor, S. Wallace Edwards & Son. Check out www.VirginiaTraditions.com for more information about his incredible incredible third generation curemaster chops and thanks to Jack Insley and to the Heritage Radio Network we'll see you next week thank you folks bye
1: thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network you can find all of our archived programs on heritage radio network.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows you can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching heritage radio network in the iTunes store You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.